Let's get into today's word. Father, God, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to be here in the presence of my brothers and sisters and in your presence, Father. Lord, I ask right now that you speak to us through your word, that you, uh, that you convict our hearts, Lord, that, that you uh, help us realize the areas in our lives that need to be changed and that we can walk out of here changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. There was a social experiment that was done. And what they did was they took this young, attractive woman. She was really attractive, really beautiful. Uh, I think she looked just like my wife, right? Um, she was really, really attractive and beautiful. And what, and what they did was they, uh, they sent her into a pharmacy and they were observing on the treatment that she would receive. So she walked in to the pharmacy, and before she could even get to the counter, the guy in the counter was like, hey, good morning, how are you doing? Is there anything I can do for you? She's like, yeah, I was looking for this product. And he goes, oh, wait a minute, let, let me show you. And he comes down from the counter, and he walks her to the aisle where the product was. And he begins to tell her, this product does this, it does this, it helps you with this. And she thanked him. And then she goes, oh, and how about, and she asked for another product. And he said, oh, no problem. Here, follow me this way. And, and, she and he took her to the next time. There was nothing that she could ask that was going to be too much. He was willing to help her with whatever she needed. The same woman left the pharmacy, went into one of those, like, you know, makeup vans, right? Hollywood vans that they have, and they, they, they disguised her, right? They put a bunch of makeup on her to make her look uh, distressed, to make her look like she had a hard life, like she had gone through some things, right? Um, maybe they added a scar here or there. You know, the, the, she was not as attractive as she once was, now that she had been completely made over. And they sent her back to the same pharmacy to see the same person. And she's walking in. She walks all the way to the counter and waits. And the guy's busy, like, yeah, hey, I'll get to you in a minute. And, you know, he's doing his thing, he's doing his thing, and she's like, excuse me, please, please help me. He's like, all right, what do you want? Well, I was looking for, and she mentioned the same product. It was, I mean, everything was the same. The only thing that had changed was her appearance. She asked for the same product. He's like, look, it's, okay, make a right at the aisle, go down, it's, it's at the end. So he didn't even come down to show her. So she went and acted like she couldn't find it. And she came back, she's like, I, I can't find it. He <sighs> comes down the counter. Look, lady, it's over here, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, how can I use it? Call, just call the number on the back of it. They'll tell you how to use it. Oh, do you, have, do you also have this? Like, oh, what else do you need? He had a bad attitude. Bad attitude. But it was very interesting to see how the same woman went to the same place asking for the same things, speaking with the same individual, got different treatment because of how she looked each time she went in. Interesting. Interesting. Today we are continuing our sermon series of James, the book of James, 
and we finally made it to chapter two. <laughs> we finally made it to chapter two. Um, but last week we saw how God doesn't just want us to listen and to hear. He wants us to obey his word, right? And so we'll continue uh, in today's topic with uh, our title of impartial. And James speaks of having impartial faith. Impartial faith. Let's turn to James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I know, 13 verses. We'll get through it. All right. I'm going to read it for you guys. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ for the Lord of glory with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And then you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, which he had promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not let the rich oppress you and drag you into the do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts. Do not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. You are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. You want, just, I just want to make a point. Do you know, understand what that means right there? That means you can, you can say, well, I, list, I, I do everything else okay. I do everything else okay. God will let me slide if I just don't do this one thing he's asked. God is saying, you can do everything okay and still choose to do, not follow one. You've broken them all. Okay. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Hmm. Okay. There's a lot of verses there, but it's going to be break, we're breaking it down pretty simple. It's, it's, it's a pretty simple thing. The first thing that we see here is that God is asking us to keep our faith impartial. We have to have an impartial faith. Okay, what's this impartial stuff mean? All right, well, it's simple. To be impartial means to treat everyone equally. It means to not favor one over another. How can we do that, though? You know, you know Chris is my favorite. So, how? I mean, how can we do that? No, no. Listen, we all have people that we're closer to, Okay? And that's not, we can't, the Bible's not telling us that we can't be close to certain people. It's saying that we cannot show partiality in our faith, in our walk with God. You can't treat someone else who's a brother or sister differently, pretty much anybody, differently just because 
of certain things. We have to treat everyone the same is what it's saying. You can still be close to someone, but you would still treat others the same. Don't try and act at this moment. Some of you guys are like, favorites? I don't have no favorites. You don't try to act like you're not guilty of having some favorites. I know like half of you have already told me I'm your favorite. I know. But we all have favorites. We're all guilty of it. We have favorites as we have favorite musicians. We have favorite actors. We have fam- uh, favorite restaurants that we go to. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, we need something favorite. Like, we need favorites because it, it separates, like, the really good from, like, the not so good. You know? Uh, some of us have favorite churches, favorite preachers, worshipers, you know? The Internet has given us access to the world. So now you can uh, have a famous preacher that lives in London and watch him every day, you know? And so um, <laughs> some people, even though, even though parents right now will say no and, and stick to their story to, like, till they get to the grave, I strongly believe that parents have a favorite. I can tell you from here, I have a favorite son, and I have a favorite daughter, okay? Now, if you have more than one son and more, one, one, more than one daughter, I'm sorry for you that your life is just made a little bit more difficult, but I can say I have a favorite son and a favorite daughter. Now, the thing is this, um, people be like, oh, don't say that, Pastor, that's wrong, no. I'm, listen, listen, we have to just accept that some of us were not our parents' favorites, and that's why we feel that way. Some of us be like, that's right, because I was my mom's favorite. I was my dad's favorite. And, and, we, and some of us are like, no, no, we're the ones that were not the favorites. Okay, so I probably, I, I was not a favorite. You know, my dad's going to watch this later and get all upset. But, um, but I was not a favorite, you know. Um, my youngest sister is my father's favorite. There's no doubt about it. He treats her differently. He loves her differently. He'll, he'll, he'll get up in the middle of the night. He'll drive across the world. He'll do anything for his baby girl. Carlos knows that he lives right next door. <laughs> he'll do anything for his baby girl. My mother's favorite was my sister that passed away a couple years ago. And they just had a bond. And, you know, my mom, they would talk, and, and, and she would always do my mom's hair, and um, she was sweet. She was just so sweet. And, and I know that that sweetness, you know, my, my, my mom just kind of like basked in it. So um, that left me being the not favorite. <laughs> and I was the hard worker, and I was the one that got blamed for everything, and I was like, uh, anyways. Yeah. My dad would say that. Oh, you're my favorite son. All right, I know. I know. Seriously, (laughs) this morning God is telling us that we can't have partiality in our walk. We can't. You know, um, as the body of Christ, the church cannot, as the body of Christ, the church cannot favor some people over others. We must all be treated equally. And his example is clear. I mean, he's got plenty of examples in the Word. We'll turn to Romans chapter 2, verse 11. And it's a simple verse, straight to the point. 
For God does not show favoritism. Oh, that one's an easy verse. It's simple. It's to the point it cannot be any clearer. Does anybody need to go to seminary to understand this verse? No. It's simple. (laughs) It's simple. Why does the Bible need to tell us to treat everybody the same? I mean, this is why, why is the Bible taking so much time and, and, and so much space trying to tell us how to treat each other, trying to tell us not to show favoritism, trying to tell us not to show partiality? Why is it focused so much on that? And the thing is, like, open your eyes. Look at the world we live in today. What are we seeing? We're seeing people being partial with, like, we're seeing partiality at its finest. And let me not get into the treatment of non-vaccinated, vaccinated, you know, uh, this political party, that political party, this movement, that movement. I mean, come on. This is the society that we live in. Without realizing it, many of us are being partial to others based on what decisions they have made. And the Bible is telling us today that we cannot show uh, we, we need to be impartial with everyone. So let me tell you from here, because it's almost like, it's almost where like, I'm, I, I'm human, so it's almost like I'm almost sick of it, right? Where the thing is this, we can't treat someone differently because they chose not to get the vaccine. We can't treat someone differently because they chose to get the vaccine. We can't choose somebody differently because they chose to be a part of this party or chose to be of that party. We can't choose. Let's do understand what we're saying. We're brothers and sisters in Christ first. I need you guys to understand that. If, if, this, if we call ourselves a family, right, how many arguments do we have with our brothers and sisters? Uh, lim- the, the, the sky is the limit. But she will always be my sister. And if someone touches her in a way they shouldn't, they have to deal with big brother. And so what happens is this. It doesn't matter how much I argue. It doesn't matter how much we fight. It doesn't, we are still a family. And the thing is that we have to understand is there are so many things that we are wasting our breath on that if we were to focus that breath on evangelizing and spreading the gospel, more people would be saved. This is what we need to be focusing on. There are souls lost. There are souls that are going to hell right now because we are so focused on everything else that is blocking, wasting, um, hindering, uh, distracting, all this stuff. Dividing the body. Oh, we're going a whole other direction. Can I get a drink? We see discrimination throughout our culture, throughout today's culture because of race, um, different cultures. And even, I say race and culture because even within a race, there's different cultures. You got Latinos, you got Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, and Dominicans don't like Puerto Ricans, the Puerto Ricans don't like Dominicans. I'm stuck, I'm both, right? You got, you got the white-skinned Puerto Ricans and the black-skinned uh, Puerto Ricans. You got the white-skinned Dominicans and the black skin, and they don't like each other, and they're all Dominican, but they don't like each other because he's light and he's dark. Yo, we're all messed up. You got different social classes, different neighborhoods, wealth status. The list goes on. The list goes on and on of the reasons why people 
or discriminate against others or treat others differently. And yes, I will say it, we see this in the church as well. And we should not see this in the body of Christ. Thing is this, I guess it's not a new thing. It must have existed in the church back then because James figured he had to address this issue with the church. And so James is writing this and he's saying, yo, you, you guys can't be this way. You guys can't show favoritism. You guys can't discriminate against other people within the body, within the church. You can't do this. Discrimination is a, a very real issue today. And even though it is, in all different forms, God is saying, keep your faith impartial. So yes, and I know uh, uh, Jocelyn, I have to applaud her. She asked a lot of questions in Bible study, and, and that's great. That's great. And so when we talked about uh, different movements and, and different uh, as far as supporting what's right and, support and not supporting what's wrong, um, yes, what's wrong is still wrong. We're not, we cannot agree and say it's okay. But one of the things that we noticed and we learned uh, in Bible study last week was that, that Paul was focused not on changing society as much as he was changing souls for Christ. If we can change souls for Christ, as a result, our society changes. Do we understand that? Some of us lose ourselves um, um, protesting to the extent, because we should all stand up for what is right and, what, and, not, and not, you know, stand up against what is wrong. But if we focus so much on that, more than your walk with God, more than your personal relationship with the Lord, then what's happening is that has become an idol in your life. And the, and, and the power of God is, is, is escaping you. It's leaving you. We change our world by bringing people to Christ. That is how we change our world. That is how we change society. More people saved. More people filled with the love of God. More people empowered by the Holy Spirit. More people desiring to see others that are hurting, not hurt. Those that are um, um, hungry, feeding them. Those that are cl uh, without clothes, giving them clothes. The widows um, taking care of them. The orphans taking them in. This is how we change society. And I know not everybody agrees with me. I know because there are some strong secular values that have been embedded in us that make it hard to see it from a biblical perspective. Okay, how can I be impartial? How can I do this? Number one, we cannot base value judgments on appearances, right? You know how we tend to make judgment calls based on how people look. We judge people on how they look, how they talk, how they dress, how much money they may have, what car they drive, whole range of other things that, all, that God says are not important to him. A bunch of things that God is like, well, that's not important to me. God, that's not important to me. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? These internal, external things are not important in the sight of God. Yet, they make such an impression on man. Let's turn to Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the day 
but then, I wrote it wrong, but they, Lord said to Samuel, but then the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance. Look, this is a holy, this is an anointed, uh, anointed verse. The Holy Spirit is causing the lights to flicker. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So there was, an, there was this African man sitting um, at a table um, at this big conference dinner. He was sitting next to an Englishman. So an African sitting next to an Englishman at a big conference banquet gala type thing. As the food uh, was served, the Englishman, he leaned over to the African and he said, food, yum, 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 mm, good. African didn't say anything. He kind of shook his head. When the drinks came over, Englishman looked over and he was like, drink, slurp, 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 mm, good, eh? Oh, he's Canadian too, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, after the meal, you know, the speaker of the night was called to the podium. They said, we're going to have so-and-so come and bring the, 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 the presentation for the evening. And at that moment, the African gets up. And he walks up to the podium. Apparently, apparently, not only was he the speaker of the evening, he had two PhDs. He spoke in, with impeccable Oxford English, which we're told is perfect English, right? And had represented his country in the, for the UN, for the United Nations, for the last three years. Um, he gave his speech. He didn't say anything, you know, to the Englishman. Um, about the Englishman when he got up there. He just kind of did his thing and sat back down to this table. And then uh, he leaned over at the Englishman and he says, talk, blah, 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 good? <laughs> he was judged by how he looked because it wasn't something common in those days. Back in 1994, we remember the genocide that took place in Rwanda. It wasn't a white or black thing. It was like a tribe against another tribe, right? You know, it's, it's like having Latinos fighting, like I said, Puerto Rican versus Dominicans. We're all Latinos. They were Africans, but they were still fighting amongst themselves because they were from two different tribes. Do you know that it's estimated that in 100 days, 100 days, what's that? Three months, pretty much. In less than three months, over 800,000 uh, Tutsis and Hitus uh, were killed, murdered. 100 days. Over, that's almost a million people killed in 100 days. All because they were from different tribes. They were from different tribes. And they had disagreements. Have you ever considered the possibility that you might be prejudiced against a particular group of people? Things, places. Maybe it's their race. Maybe you're prejudiced against those that have education or lack education. You know? Maybe it's the way they talk. 
Maybe it's the way they dress. Unfortunately, the sad thing is that it is not hard to discriminate. Do you, do you hear what I said? Unfortunately, it is not hard to discriminate. It's not hard to show uh, partiality or to be prejudiced against things. Remember how we read from 1 Samuel, verse 16, 7? Oh, it's still up there, which is good. So this is what's happening here. God tells the prophet Samuel, I want to send you to anoint the new king of Israel. You know, um, the new king of Israel. And he sends him to Jesse's house. He says it's going to be one of Jesse's sons. And so he goes over to Jesse's house, and he says, yo, Jesse, God chose one of your boys to be the next king of Israel. Can you imagine Jesse's face? Oh, snap. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. So he says, um, you know, let me see your boys. Oh, Jesse, automatically, oh, it's got to be this guy. Come here, my strapping, big, strong son. And he shows him the first son, big, handsome, strong, impressive. And that's when Samuel was like, this has got to be the next king of Israel. And then God's response was this verse, which was, you know, you can't judge him by his appearance or height. God had rejected him to be king. And he was reminded that I I don't see things the way you do, Samuel. I don't see the outside. I see the heart. I see the heart. In these verses, James gives us an example If a man should come into your assembly with gold rings, with the bling. Now, I don't know, why did they have to say gold ring? There was a custom back then that the wealthy would put up to six rings on one finger, right? By putting six rings on one finger and then going out in public, they are displaying that they got money, that they are very wealthy, and so what they would do is they would go places with the, all the rings on their fingers so they can go places and they would receive the best treatment. They would get doors open. They would get seated in, in, better, in better seating areas. This, and, the, the, and the thing is, everywhere they would go, this was happening. And, but the sad thing is, it was also happening within the church. We can't change what companies and restaurants will do. Because we know ultimately what do they want? His money. The church cannot be that way because ultimately we don't care about his money. We care about his soul. Do you understand that? So when a wealthy guy shows up, you know, okay, so, so the, what he's saying is, you know, they do that to show off. And, and just before this guy shows up, it says that a poor guy shows up, you know, he arrives, he's dirty. He smells, he's dressed in rags, he sits down and people just stare. They stare. You know, the uh stare, like, mmm. So when all of a sudden the wealthy guy shows up, all right, he shows up, they walk up to the poor guy, excuse me, guy, excuse me, excuse me, you don't, you don't mind if, if he sits here, right? You don't mind if he would sit here. Um, we, we need you to get up, actually. You know, get up. And the guy, I could imagine him looking around like, there's nowhere else to sit. Uh, you, could, you could sit on the floor over here. You could sit on the floor or stand in the back. Right? 
James is saying, you treat this wealthy man as a better person just because he has money, and God says this is wrong. It's a value judgment based on appearance. A 19-year-old went to buy a piano. He decided, I'm going I'm to play the piano, right? And he goes to a store that specializes in pianos. And as he's looking around for the piano, he's testing them, playing them, playing here, playing there. He gets to one, he really likes it. Salesman walks over to him and starts, starts, starts telling him how much it costs and, and all the details about it. The thing was that he wasn't looking directly at him. He was kind of like staring off to the side. So the young man's like, yo, this guy's probably, probably hustle me. He came and looked me in the eye. He's probably a dishonest salesman because he came and looked me in the eye. But you know what? I really like this piano, and let's just hope that he doesn't con me or something. So he ends up buying it. Several times, some, some time later, his friend comes to visit and says, yo, this piano is nice. Where'd you get it? Oh, I got it at that piano store up the street, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, the one with the guy with the bad vision? And he's like, what? <laughs> the, the, you know, the one that the guy has an eye problem, like he can't look straight. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, he's got this thing that he, like his eyes won't let him see directly. He's, he's got, um, they call it um, uh, direct blindness or something, where you got to kind of look over to the side and to, to then see, right? At that moment, the kid realized that he had made a horrible judgment against the individual. He had judged him and said that he was a con, that he was someone that was trying to get over on him, that he was someone that was trying to take advantage of him. And all along, it was someone that really just had an eye problem. How quickly are we to judge people based on the way they present themselves, the way they look? God says, don't base judgments on appearances. How can we keep our faith impartial? Making sure that church is a class-free zone. Let me, church is a class-free zone. So what does that mean? Let us be reminded that there's no place for partiality in the church. We, we, we know this. We're saying this, right? Um, we're not supposed to have different classes, meaning social classes, meaning, you know, uh, groups and, and some being better than others, you know. Um, when, we have, when we accept people, we accept them unconditionally. Like, that's what we're supposed to accept people as the church, as the body of Christ. Romans 5, 7 says, Therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Listen to me. Yo, think back. Some of us were an ugly mess. Some of us were an ugly mess. We came to the Lord, and he took us in. Some of us were addicts. We came to the Lord. He took us in. Some of us were uh, liars. We were thieves. We were cons. We were, we were insensitive. We, we took advantage of people. We came to Christ, and he took us in. He took us in, in our mess. He took us in, um, not looking at all the junk that surrounded our lives. He took us in. He received us. And the Bible says, therefore, receive one another just as Christ also received us. That's why sometimes we see some people that are so embracing, that have gone through so much, because God 
embrace them. And they just can't believe it. And they are so anxious to be like, yo, hey, come on. And they're so embracing. They're so welcoming. They're so loving because God loved them. And they couldn't believe it. And they can't believe it. And they, all they did was like, oh, my God. I mean, he forgave me. He loved me. He received me. And then they just like want to do it with everybody. Like, oh, I love everybody. And they're so passionate. So let's let those people continue being passionate. Because God did something miraculous in their lives, and they're excited. Fellowship with other Christians can never be based on the color of skin, the size of bank account. Listen, you guys, I know, I think, I think it's time I was talking to, to, to Dennis the other day, and I was like, I'm the worst when it comes to casting vision. I'm telling the world this. I just... Casting vision, meaning, meaning letting you see in advance, like, like speaking in ways that you can kind of see it, like, wow, I see where God is taking us, right? I have to work on that because sometimes I feel it, but I just don't know how to explain it to you, right? But, I was, uh, but one thing that you guys do know about me is that I was just telling, I was just mentioning it to Minerva a second ago, is that I truly desire our church to be fully multicultural, different races, all ethnic backgrounds because you know what? When we get to heaven, it's not going to be a black section, a white section, and a Latino section. We're worshiping together. And I, and I like to stand out here and just take a glimpse and be like, and get a snapshot, a sneak peek of what heaven might look like when everyone is worshiping and praising. All the hands are up and people are, are shouting and crying and screaming and, and the spirit is moving. It's, it's like a sneak peek of what heaven might look like. We can't, we can't uh, discriminate. Can you imagine if I, if I stand up here one day and says, all right, we're going to have a, a Bible study um, for those that make 80000 or more a year. This Bible study is for you. For those that make less than this, this Bible, is, Bible study is for you. For those that, um, you know, uh, for all our uh, Puerto Ricans, you guys go to that Bible study. Dominicans are not invited there. Dominicans, you have to go to this one over here. You guys will be sitting there and be like, what is going on here? Would that sit well in your spirit? Yet, sometimes we're guilty of doing that in our hearts. But it sounds really bad when I say it from the mic. Listen, as we're going through the book of James, I want you guys to understand this. James is, is trying to help the church understand some of the areas that they need to work on so they can become better Christians, better Christ followers. And so as we, every Sunday, we're getting to, to hear the word of God and we're becoming better followers of Christ if we apply this to our lives. If you want to be like Jesus, we need to see as he sees. Ephesians 2.14. Ephesians 2.14 says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people when in his own body on his cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. We talked about this in Bible study too. We're, we talked about this in Bible study. 
We talked about there, were a mo- there was a time in the church where you have the Jews and the Gentiles. And the thing is, there was still a division even amongst the body of Christ. And he had to remind them, listen, do you know that when Christ died on the cross, he broke down the walls of segregation? He broke down the walls that divided the cultures, divided the people? Christ died and broke that down. There should not be a division. There should be unity amongst the different cultures, the different people. That stands true till today. Now, I'm not against churches that are major- the majority is one culture or the other. Um, sometimes people feel comfortable in, in, in fellowshipping with, with their, within their own race, and I'm not speaking against that. I'm just saying that the vision that I have and that I feel God has put in my heart since the beginning of being called to the ministry is that he's going to bring together a group of different cultures, different races, different ethnic backgrounds, and he's going to move powerfully in it. That's, that's what I feel. We all have friends at work, and sometimes if, if, if we limit ourselves to something, we feel like we can't invite our friends because, oh, well, my friend is Indian or my friend is Chinese or my friend is, I can't invite them to my church. No, why not? Why not? God Christ broke down the walls that would separate all of that on the cross. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. When we, and this is, this is why it's hard for us, to, especially those that have been embedded with the secular values and secular mindset, to understand why it's about being a Christian first. We are Christians first, right? Doesn't mean that we don't care about our ethnic backgrounds, we don't care about our culture, that we don't care. It doesn't say that. It says that we're one in Christ. And so there should not be uh, racial divisions amongst the body of Christ. There should not be um, different social classes against other social classes within the body of Christ. There should not be, even when we choose different political parties, they should still not divide the body of Christ. We are one in the body. We are one in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that. And we 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 should hear it and not just understand what the Bible is saying, but then apply it. And when we apply it, we live out like we're one. When you apply it, we live out like, yes, this is truly my sister. This is truly my brother. You know, and you know what? Caesar doesn't always agree what I have to say, but I still love him. He's my brother. We are one in the body. You know, I know even my wife was like, you keep talking about revival. They're going to get sick of hearing about that because we, it's not about just saying it. We, know we need to start living and we start acting it. You know, we can say it all we want. Remember, we can say it all we want. But until we start uh, making those steps forward, this and that. But guess what? She's right. I could say it all day long here. But if you're not willing to take those steps of faith in your walk, if you're not willing to be united as one, because revival comes in unity. Yes, it starts at home. But if we want to see revival here in the church, we have to be united. The barriers that the world wants to continue to build, 
I kind of touched on this a second ago. Man, we, we can make a list of all the barriers that society is putting today. Today. You know, um, you know, again, you got the shot, stand over here. You don't got the shot, stand over there. Oh, you believe this, stand over there. Oh, you don't believe that, stand over there. It, it's, it's already, the, the world is trying to put up these, these, these walls, these, these, uh, these uh, um, barriers. But we have to be reminded that Christ broke down those barriers. He broke them down. And we're not supposed, and listen, that's not, this has nothing to do with, but, but I mentioned it. I mentioned the shot here, mentioned the shot there, mentioned what's happening with the world and, and the decisions, stuff like that. We can't allow ourselves to be full of fear. Fear will overwhelm you, and it will, it will make you, it, it, will, it, will, it will make you, like, it will paralyze you. And what fear loves to do is take away your faith in Christ. Because if you serve, if you know you serve a powerful and awesome God, then there's nothing to fear. And even if the world blows up tomorrow, I rejoice because tomorrow I will be in the presence of the Lord. Now, because the world could disintegrate at any moment, we still have an opportunity now to evangelize and to reach the lost for Christ. So our energy and our focus should be in that, reaching the lost for Christ. I'm not scared about tomorrow. I'm looking forward to tomorrow because tomorrow is another day closer Don't you guys get it? Tomorrow is another day closer to being in the presence of God. So I'm not scared. I'm not going to let fear stop me from living my life now and being used by God now. Listen, everyone sitting here, God has placed specific things in your heart, in your life. All those things, all those skills, all those talents, all those gifts, they're not to just waste them away and never use them. We have a limited time on this earth. And it's to stand up and say, God, use me in the area that you've prepared me for. The time that we have now is not to sit and do nothing and let time go away. Stand up and say, I may not know the answers. I may not even know what God may want me to do. I don't know what God is telling but I know that I'm good at this because he, he made me this way. How can I use this for the kingdom? How can I serve? How can I expand? How can I reach others um, that are lost with the gospel? What do I have to do? There should be a sense of urgency in each and every one of us because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And an urgency not to scare people, but an urgency to say, we got to get, we got to tell you the truth because time is short. What also helps us to remain impartial in our faith is to understand that impartiality reflects the nature of God. 
It reflects his very nature. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17, it says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is, a great, he is the great God, the mighty, awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. You know why they had to say all the extra stuff in the beginning? Because they're letting you see how great a God that we serve. He is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. He is the great God, mighty and awesome. So if he wanted to show partiality, he could do it. But yet he does not. He does not. There's no one above him. There's no one above him. And he does not show partiality. What makes us think, especially when we decide to serve Christ and we accept him and receive him, we call ourselves a Christ follower, that we're okay, it's okay for us to show partiality in our walk with God. God shows no partiality. It goes against his nature. He is totally impartial in every way. Leviticus 19.15 says this. It says, do not twist justice in legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. Okay, so this, he's saying two things here. Like I said, God is impartial in every way, right? And so he's saying here, he's saying two things. One, he's saying, don't give special treatment to the rich and the powerful. I mean, we know that. It's obvious. But he also says in the same verse, he's like, well, just because they may be poor, we can't be lenient on them. We can't be lenient on them. Um, one of the things that he says is we can't, like, overlook just because they're disadvantaged in certain we can't overlook and allow our judgment to be swayed. What's right is right, and what's wrong is wrong. God has compassion for the poor, yes, but he doesn't give anyone a free pass when it comes to issues of righteousness. We have to understand that. When it comes to issues of righteousness, I'm not saying anything else. When it comes to issues of righteousness, we cannot be swayed because of their conditions. So he's impartial in every way. That's, that's why we know that it's part of his nature. That even when it's against the poor, he still can't be, uh, he can't show uh, favoritism. He still can't, uh, you know, be, be, act partially. In closing, in closing, we need to be reminded that God has a different measuring system than we do. So um, once upon a time, there was a, a company that was building a brand new house. These contractors got together, and they built this brand new house. It was amazing. It was brand new, and they were proud to show it off, so they did like an open house to invite people to come see it and hopefully sell it right away. They opened the doors, and the people began to come in. And as people were walking around, they were looking at the house and they're saying, wow, this is really beautiful. But then you, you see eyebrows going up here and there. And people are like, hmm. 
And as people were looking around, something was off, but they just couldn't figure it out in the beginning. Like something was not right. All of a sudden, you know, the visitors began to kind of talk to themselves and somebody noticed something and somebody noticed. All of a sudden, they noticed the ceiling's a little shorter than it should have been. The windows were a little smaller than they should have been. Doorways were a little lower than they should have been. It seemed, like, it seemed like things were just smaller or shorter, right? And they were wondering, like, what, what is So then, you know, they, they called the guy showing the house, and, and, and he, they had him looking, and he's like, you're right. Something is off here. They tried to figure out, and they couldn't at first, but then they finally realized what had happened. You see, someone had snuck in in the cover of night, and sabotaged this contracting company. What they did was they cut a couple inches off their measuring sticks. But I guess back in the day, they had sticks that were cut to be a certain, a certain height. And those, you know, they used them to build houses as soon as, you know, as soon as, it, it would just be like, put the stick there, okay, it's, it's that height, it's that height, it's that height. What they did was they came in and they cut a couple inches off all the measuring sticks. So as they built the house, the contractors and the workers assumed that they were measuring properly all along. But the truth was that they were deceived. What measuring systems are we using today? What are we using as a measuring system to, the, to, to decide uh, what is valuable, what is not valuable. Who, who, sh- who is worthy, who is not worthy. Who we should speak to, who we should not speak to, who, sh- who we should love, who we should not love. What measuring system are you using to determine that? Are we using the right one? Or are we just assuming that the one that we're using is correct? We have to re-remind him that the, the current, God's measuring system is clearly very different than the world's. Isaiah 55, verse 8. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. Can you guys stand with me this morning? It's obvious that the Word of God, it's obvious, according to the Word of God, that God doesn't think the same way we do. James 5, James in verse 5 that we just read, it says, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom which he promised? to those who love them. Rich in faith. The poor, rich in faith. Let me tell you something. If you haven't had a chance to go on a missions trip, then we're going to eventually, hopefully, once some restrictions kind of die out, we want to get back involved in, in, in going on missions trips. One thing 
that completely is scarred into my life are some of the things that I, I have seen on the mission field. When I have gone to places where people have nothing but their faith is beyond some of any of the faith, it's beyond faith that I have seen myself. That their love for the Lord is, it, 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 we don't understand it because we come in from here, we go there, and we're like, how can you love God so much when you have nothing? How can you have so much faith when you have nothing? How can, how can you be so joyful in the Lord when you look around and this is how you live? But it teaches you something. It teaches you something. We, our joy is in all the wrong things. Our happiness is all in the wrong things. Because all we need is Jesus. We say it, but <laughs> let someone start taking things away from you, right? They know all they need is Jesus because they really have no choice in some places. And some of them are way happier than I can say I've ever been. Their determination. You know how we struggle with parking here? I remember going up a mountain. Did I tell you all this story? I was, I was on the back of a pickup truck with 15 other people on the same pickup truck. <laughs> and we were driving up, and the pickup truck was barely making it all the way up, right? And as we're circling the mountainside, almost at the foot when we're getting there, there was a woman carrying a baby, carrying a bag, and with two other little children walking, and she's trying to keep them on the side away from the, uh, the way from the cars, from the road. And she's walking, and, and we drive by, and we all wave to her. We say, hey, she waves and she smiles. We get to the top of the mountain, and we do like a outreach throughout the midday, and we give them food, and then we invite them to an evening service. And so the service it was about 5.30, and we're opening the doors of the church for, to get ready for the service. And guess who comes walking in through those doors? That woman spent the day walking up that mountain because she wanted to be in that service that evening. She was not going to miss an opportunity to hear from God, to be in the presence of the Lord. It was already hard enough for one person to walk up that mountain, but she carried a baby. And then she had to herd the two toddlers all the way up, and they walked it. Her determination brought shame to me. In my comfortable life, how many times have I chosen not to do something because it was going to be too much work? Oh, it's too much to get up to go to church today. Oh, it's too much to, to go to, and, and, and get together with this person today. Oh, it's too much. To, it's too much. It's too much. And, and we push it aside because, you know, it's not really important. I mean, we're not getting paid to come. We're not, we're not you know, there's nothing that we're going to materialistically take home with us. And so it's so easy to say, huh? But we see this woman who's like, I want to be in the presence of God. And her faith 
and her love and her desire was not, was not going to take no for an answer. I don't care if it's at the top and I live at the bottom. I'm going to get there today. She walked all day. All day. We made sure we took her back home. Because I was like, yo, we cannot let her walk back. Because y'all know, those that have been in the mountains, in, in the tropics and things like that, it is pitch black out there. But she was prepared to walk back alone. She was like, oh, I had a, she had like a flashlight with some batteries. Oh, I have a flashlight. No. Love and faith are the currency of heaven. You want to get rich? Right? Invest in faith. Invest in love. Stock up. Let's not get caught up in the world systems of values. Let's not judge people on the things that are unimportant to God. We are children of the kingdom of God. We are with a different culture. We have different values and we have different vision. And we need to keep ourselves impartial. You know, I have experienced racism, discrimination in a way that it, it, it it did something to me. It affected me. I was in the uniform of the United States Marine. I was, I was, I was, it was, it was evident that I was a Marine because I was in uniform. And I stopped at a gas station with a bunch of other Marines. We were together. And he was ringing everybody else up. And when I got to the counter, he turned around. So I waited patiently because I had no clue of why he turned around. I thought he was really busy and I was respecting him at the moment. And finally I said, sir, we have to go. Can you please ring me up? And he turned around and he says, do you know that I have the right to refuse service to anyone that I choose? And I was still confused. Because, you know, we live up here in the Northeast and, and, and we see how people are treated differently here and there, but we, we never really truly experience racism to this extent in the places that we live here. And, and so it didn't hit me. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't get to me of like what he really meant. And at that moment I said, okay, uh, okay, sir. Well, if you just ring this up, I'll leave right away. Still not understanding why. He says, boy, didn't you hear me? I don't have to ring you up. And at that moment, it, something inside of me broke. And when it opened up, there was fury. There was rage. There was anger. There was pain. There was hurt. And I didn't respond in the way that I really should have. I should have just walked away. But I thank the rest of my brothers that were there with me that day that kind of helped me and removed me from the place. But do you know that feeling, that pain should never be felt within the body of Christ. It should never exist where someone should experience a pain, a brokenness, because of who they are or what they look like. 
And so if you're struggling with that area in a sense where you have done that to someone or that has been done to you, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Father God, right now we come before you, Lord. We trust and believe, Lord, that your word today was for us and today. That you have spoken to your church. You have truly spoken today, Lord. Reminding us, Lord, that you don't see the way that we see, that you don't feel the way that we feel. And then in our walk with in our walk with you, in our walk in this faith, Lord, that we have to remain impartial, that we have to be reminded that on a constant basis to say, Lord, let me see what you see. Let me feel what you feel. Let me hear what you hear so that I don't go off of my feelings, my vision, my thoughts. Help me love my brother and sister. Let us become one family, united so that your Holy Spirit can truly move freely in this place, that your power, you may empower us, Lord, to reach lost for the kingdom together. Father God, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. Lord God, there are some there today that have not made the decision to receive you. They have not taken that step of faith to accept you into their hearts and Lord today could be that day if you are here if you're watching online and you haven't made a decision to accept Christ to become a follower of Christ you can make that decision today Father God look at those that want to receive you today Look at those that want to take a step, Lord, that, that you help them uh, acknowledge, Lord, that they are sinners, that, 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 you, that, that, that they may know that you died on the cross, that you rose on the, on the third day. Help them surrender their lives to you, acknowledging that they need you every day. We worship you. We praise you. Thank you, God, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.